Oh, he could hit those high notes, did you? <laughs> uh, you know, we'd be a whole lot better if we just do what that word, that song said a whole lot more and just fall on our knees, wouldn't we? We don't do that enough. We raise up instead of falling down and humbling ourselves in the sight of a holy God. First Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2. If you came wanting a Christmas message, sorry. <laughs> We're going back to our series this week, First Peter second, uh, chapter number 2. And we've been studying through the book of First Peter for a while, and we're in se- chapter 2 here for a while, and, and God's been teaching us some things as we go through. We've been learning how to build up our spiritual houses, and, and it all starts first by becoming a mature individual believer, and then we looked at the building blocks of the church and how we come together collectively, and then the last few weeks we've been, uh, as we've been studying through this, we've been seeing the spiritual authorities that God has placed in our house, in our life, and, and there's just a truth you need to, to know right off the bat, and that's simply this, God has ordained authorities in our lives and he commands us to submit to him. And so for the past few weeks, we've looked at this. And in verses 13 and 14, we looked at the, at, at the government. And we're to submit to government authority. And the Bible teaches us that. But then we concluded last time we were together here in this study. And we, we saw that we're to submit to, uh, to, to God's authority and have his attributes. And we, we looked there in that verse in 17. The Bible said to honor all men. And that has the attitude of civility. And, and we learned that, that just get this truth down. If you didn't get it already, do you know we can disagree and still get along? Do y'all know that's possible? <laughs> We've lost that, 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 that art, if you want to call it that. We've lost that ability in America. Disagreement does not equal discrimination. Don't let them tell you that it does. I can disagree and not discriminate and understand that. It doesn't make us enemies, it just makes us human. And then we looked at the word charity and, 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 and or the love the brotherhood, he said next. And we learned what charity is all about. It was about loving one another. And, and, and that's what the Bible says in 1 John 3.11. He said that you've heard from the beginning that you should love one another. In fact, one of the ways we know we're truly a born-again Christian is if we have love for the brethren, he tells us in 1 John 3.14. And so we looked at that attitude and that attribute of of charity that should be in our life and then then we also looked at maturity and we learned that we need to get into an awe and a reverence and a fear of a holy god we we no longer do that we bring god down to our level instead of realizing the god that he really is and and we learned even really simply this what everybody always says what's god's will for my life well ecclesiastes in chapter number 12 and verse 13 tells us to fear god and keep his commandments for that's the whole duty of man. And then, then finally we looked at humility. Uh, and, and again, Peter writing here to, to folks when Nero was king and, and, and telling them that are being masqueraded and brought out into the, into the Colosseum and murdered. And he, he tells them, listen, you need to humble yourself even to a wicked, nasty leader like Nero. Wow. And uh, we think about that. That takes humility, doesn't it? It takes humility to, to, to follow and to obey a leader that we don't even really like. <laughs> and that, that's what God will never lift us up until we first humble ourselves. And that's the, the whole principle there. If I exalt myself, the word of God promises he will abase us. But listen to this wonderful promise. If I abase myself, he said, I will exalt you. 
And so we learn those principles. As we continue here today into the next one, there's one more authority in our life God's going to speak to that we need to learn to be subject to is the way he's going to rephrase it today or to submit to. And that is dealing with our bosses or our authority at the workplace. Our authority at the workplace. So if you'd stand, we'll read a few verses and we'll see how far we get this morning. Lord willing, I got a nice cut-off place because I see a Christmas message in the next verse. Amen. And we'll see if that works out next week. Uh, look at verse 18 with me as we pick up our reading. The Bible says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly, for what glory is it if... When you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to that, or to himself to him that judgeth righteously. Father, for the next few minutes, would you help us just to learn more principles and truths, Lord, to apply to our lives so we can build the spiritual house that you desire us to build and live a life, Lord, that's pleasing to you. Lord, you've ordained authorities in our life, and one of those as we've already studied government, Lord, one of those are, are pastors and, and, and parents and all these things. But, Lord, today we're going to look at the workplace. We're going to look at our bosses, our employers. And what is a Christian's responsibility in the workplace? Bless now the teaching and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. A Christian in the workplace. Now, let me just start with a question before we start examining the verses. Why, why would God even care how we behave in the workplace? Did you ever think about that? I mean, he committed not only First Peter to it, but you go over in Colossians, and he said he's got a whole section of Scripture there telling us about how to behave in the workplace. Why would God, right, take time to inspire these men to write down instructions for you and me as believers, as, as fellow Christians, in, in how to behave ourselves in the workplace? Well, I got a couple answers for you, I believe. Well, I put this one, my, my first answer was simply this. I think it's twofold. Number one, because we bear his name. <laughs> if you got born again, if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you had a day where you repented and you put your trust in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you called upon the Lord, you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believed in your heart that God is raising from the dead, on that day you became what we call a Christian. Ooh. So we bear Christ's name. Now, my dad used to say some things to me, and I can't repeat them all in church, but uh, one of me said, I remember when I first started driving race cars. And I still remember he pointed at the top of the car, had Mike Wells on. I was pretty excited because that's the first time my name was on top of the car. It was always dad's for years. He said, look at that second part of that name. He said, it says Wells, boy. Yeah, if you had to know my dad and how he talks, that's how he talks. He said, you're bearing my name. Don't you go out there and embarrass me. <laughs> Don't you go out there and let me down. He would say stuff like that. That's kind of, I had to deal with that. 
But if you think about this and apply this back to this life, if we call ourselves Christians and we tell other people we are Christians, we are bearing the holy name of Christ. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to let him down. How about you? I think that's number one reason. He says, listen, you need to understand in the workplace, I have some responsibilities. I have some roles for you as well. But, but I wrote this one down too, simply this, that we spend most of our time in the workplace. Let me, let me give you an example. I, I read this. I looked it up. They said they, say the average American gets about eight hours of sleep a night. Good day, I got to get up to average, amen. <laughs> if that's true, though, think about this. There's only 24 hours in a day. How many of your math made? Y'all keep up with me. If there's eight hours of it, we're sleeping. It leaves 16 hours away. Now, if you, if you get up and go to work and you work a full-time job, then you work probably at least eight hours a day on average, and then you put that together, that leaves eight hours a day. And so, so if you think about it, of the 16 waking hours we have in a given day, eight of it is spent at work at least. Where in the world are they going to see how we really are? It's how we act at work. And God says, listen, you, you have a responsibility as a Christian when you're there in the workplace to behave as a Christian because we spend at least half our time there to begin with. So let's look at it quickly this morning, and we'll, we'll see how he breaks it down because he gives us instructions here on, on not only how to behave ourselves on the job, but, but he reminds us that, that we have authorities there on the job that we need to submit to. The first one I saw was simply this. I, I wrote it down, the believers and the bosses. The believers and their bosses. And he gives us a command in verse 18. Read it with me. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Now, servant here comes from a different word than the word we normally read the word servant in the bible from it normally comes from a greek word and i'm not trying to impress you but i want to teach you listen it usually comes from a word called doulos which means a a bond servant it means the one like a slave type servant that is not the word servant comes from in this context here it comes from a oiketes and it literally means a household servant it was a little different a worker is the idea of it now you got to understand the context in peter's day those servants they they, they, they would work and they would live oftentimes in their master's house. They, they just put it in our terms. If if you worked for your boss, you lived at his house. You usually lived usually on an upstairs floor there, and they would put you up, and and they were treated pretty good. And these servants, and some did menial tasks, but I want to tell you, most of them did some pretty important stuff. They would watch the children. They would teach the children. They would uh, they would manage. They were steward of the owner's resources. Many of them were even doctors. And and so in the Roman society, here's what you were: if you weren't a Roman citizen, but you lived in Rome, you were considered a servant. And you worked for the Romans. And so he tells those folks, those employees, he said, be subject to your master. Now the word subject is the same word we get the word submit from. It means to arrange yourself under, as we've already talked about in the past. It means we're, we're, to, we're, to, we're to realize that the, someone else has authority over our life and, uh, and willingly allow them to have that authority. It doesn't mean they're superior person. We've already talked about that. It means they have a, a, a higher position. 
And we need to submit to that master, to that employee with all respect. So if you put it to today, here's what he's trying to simply say. He's trying to say we as employees need to be subject to our supervisors. We as employers need to be subject to our, super, or to our employers. We're to respect them, to honor them, and so forth. And, and, and listen, for a society to exist, there's got to be two things that happen. There must be somebody in every organization, in every company, there's got to be somebody that has authority and then on the other hand there's got to be someone who obeys that authority or it will never work that's true in every area of your life it's true in society that's true on your job and so learning to obey submit and subject to them makes good sense let me tell you why it makes good sense even if you're not a christian today it makes good sense you want to know why because they can fire you <laughs> we're, a, we're, we're a fire at will state y'all know that we think, well, that boss can't do that. Oh, yes, he can. You live in the state of Virginia. You show up, and I don't like the hat you're wearing. I can fire you. That's a commonwealth state. We can do that. Amen. And so just flat number one, you better do what they say because they're paying you. If you want a paycheck, you better listen. But let's go a little further than that. See, it's good for the lost world. But beyond that, beyond the paycheck, for an employee, for a Christian employee, here's why it's so much more important. Because we... Our testimony is on the line. It's not just about our paycheck. It is about our testimony, and it depends on it. And he says, employees, submit to your employer. Leaders, or laborers, submit to your leaders. Staff, submit to your supervisors. And believers, submit to your boss. Now, let's go on. Let's look at the condition. So we understand that's a command. Hey, that's pretty straightforward. But look at the condition with me in verse number 18. He says, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Then he says, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. I put it down just like this. I said, we need to be subject to those favorable bosses, to that first-class boss, and to that, to that one that's really good. Look, look at the two words there. He says good and gentle. The word good simply means this, the one who's pleasant the one who's agreeable, the one who's joyful, happy, excellent, distinguished, upright, and honorable. The word general means one who's equitable and fair and mild. Now, how many want to work for a boss like that? <laughs> That's a pretty good list, isn't it? Hey, when he says good in general, I, I don't know about you, but listen, few of us really have a problem respecting and working for somebody, arranging ourselves under somebody who's pleasant, who's agreeable, who's joyful, who's happy, who's upright, who's honorable, who's equitable, who's fair, and who's mild. I, I, and listen, if you got a boss like that, you ought to thank God for it. That's a blessing in your life because I want to tell you it is more of a blessing than you could ever imagine. In fact, I'll get, give you a truth up here. Who you work for has a bigger impact on your satisfaction in life than where you work, than what you do, and how much you make. Some of you have been around for a while can say amen to that. I want to tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and so, so if you've got a boss that's good and gentle, listen, you better thank God for it. And, and listen, that, that kind of boss makes even the worst kind of job bearable. <laughs> but listen, when you've got a jerk for a boss... Even the best jobs are bare. It's easy to obey. It's easy for us to arrange ourselves when we have a leadership of a boss that's like that, that's good and gentle, pleasant, prayer, upright, honorable. But Peter didn't stop there. See, if he stopped there, we could have said, oh, we're good, let's go home, let's go to the hood. <laughs> but he goes on, look what he says next. This one will make you scratch your head a little bit. 
He says, not only should we be subject to those that are good and gentle, to the favorable bosses, if you want to call it that, but we should be subject to the froward boss as well. Read what he says there. Not only to the good, in verse 18, and gentle, but also to the froward. Now, how many use froward on a regular basis in your vocabulary? <laughs> it's not something we say every day, is it? Let me tell you what it means. It literally means this. Warped. Crooked. Curved. Metaphorically, it means someone who's perverse, wicked, or unfair. So when he's saying, listen, you listen and you obey and you put yourself in subject to the boss who's good and gentle, and you put yourself in uh, when they're grouchy and grumpy too, when they're crooked, when they're wicked, and when they're even unfair. Well, I want to tell you what, the requirement just got harder, didn't it? Uh, I'll tell you what, we have no problem with that first one. But this one's harder. Because Peter tells us under the inspiration of God, even if your boss, let's just put it in Carroll County terms, is an absolute jerk, they're still your boss. And we're to respect and honor their position. Whether they're full of goodness in Jesus or whether they're full of wickedness and a jerk, we're to be subject to them. Whether your boss says, come on in whenever you feel like it, it's all good. Or he writes you up for being two seconds late. We're to be subject to him. Whether your boss is cool as a cucumber or cold as a cat in a blizzard, and that's where all cats should be. Amen. I just lost some of you right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really do hate cats. Amen. <laughs> Whether he builds you up or whether he breaks you. I got all kinds of these. I, I spent half a morning doing this. <laughs> whether he gives you a raise or gives you a roasting, we're to be subject. Whether they're nice or a nincompoop. <laughs> whether they're ideal or an idiot. <laughs> whether they're fabulous or a fool. Whether they're dynamite or a dunce. <laughs> whether they're brilliant or a blockhead. Whether they're incredible or an imbecile. This is why I was doing it at 4.30 this morning, by the way. Whether they're awesome or awful. And whether they're amazing or, we'll just say donkey, amen. You and I as Christians are to be subject to them. Why? Why, though? It's a tough command. Because here's why. This is so important for you to get this morning. Because the lost world is watching you. And let me tell you when they're really watching you. Yes, they watch you when you treat it well. But they're really watching us who proclaim to be a Christian, who quote Bible verses to them. They're really watching us when the unfairness comes. They're really watching us when the trials come. They're really watching us when the persecution comes. They're saying, hi, what do you think now, Christian? Let's watch and see how they react to this. And if we're subject to them, if we still continue to obey the, the four, uh, the, our bosses, I'm going to tell you what, whether we're treated well or not treated well, then we're setting an example for them to follow. See, it's easy for us to act like a Christian when everything goes our way. When it's all good, you know, in the hood, as one preacher says, and we're running, listen, we're always running around talking about how good God is, and I could quote this anywhere around Christians, God is good all the time, all the time, would you say? 
Yeah, we quote that to them all the time. We, we go in with our Bible verses and we, we talk about how good God is and God always has a plan and God's always working for good for us. And listen, and we have no problem shouting all that when we get the good stuff. But can I remind you, as we've already talked about in this series, God is good even when the health report's not. God is good all the time, and we need to understand it. God's good when our bank accounts are full, and he's, good, he's just as good when our bank accounts are as empty as a church house on a snow day. Amen. <laughs> they're, they're all, he is always good. And he's good whether your boss is favorable and first class and dynamite and good and gentle, or whether he's froward and he's a grump and a grouch and a jerk. God is not good because of what he does. Remember this truth. He's good because of who he is. And he'll never cease to be good because he'll never, ever cease to be God. And see, when it's you and I as a Christian, when we're treated even unfairly by the world, that's when they're watching us. How are we going to react then? It's easy to react good when life's good, right? How are you going to react when that authority in your life tells you to do something you don't want to do? How are you going to react when, that, when your boss or authority in your life uh, uh, tells you to do it a different way than you want to do it? <laughs> I'm going back to my old days here when I was uh, I, I remember all these arguments they would argue back. How are you going to react when, listen, you don't get that promotion that you think you deserve? Mm. How are you going to react when it seems like the boss always is riding you and letting others just slack and slide? How are you going to react? The lost world is watching. Are you going to continue to put yourself in subject to them and submit to them? Or are you going to do like most of us really do? They've heard us say God's good all the time. All the time God's good. God's in control. Now they're going to watch and see if we really believe what we've been saying when the hard times come. Let me just ask you this. Do you still boast about how good God is, even when you're not treated fairly, even on the workplace? Or do you go around and start berating the boss? Come on. You talk about how good God is and uh, you know, it, it, at other times in your life, but then talk about how bad the boss is. It, they, see, they don't go together. See, if you're a Christian, your boss is one of those authorities that God's placed in your life. He's ordained it. And whether they treat you poorly or not, we are to submit to them. Listen, if you get treated poorly by your boss, you got two options. We're really three. Number one's we can quit and go find a, another place to work. Nobody said you had to work there, right? <laughs> that wasn't even my notes. I just threw that to you. <laughs> Number two, you can get over it and forgive them and get back under, get back under submission to them. Or number three, you can put on your big boy britches, go into the office, have a polite and a good-spirited conversation about how they're treated, about what's going on, one-on-one. Amen. And now the Bible tells us to handle things. Not talk to everybody else, not post it everywhere else, not, not call up all your friends, not call up everybody else you know. One-on-one, go to that authority and have a conversation and see if you can't just work through it. One of the three is your options as a Christian. Because here's how the lost world handles it, the same way most Christians do. Instead of doing that, we go around and have our little, you know, we get our little gossip corner by the water bottle, right? I can't believe the boss did that. I want to tell you, blah, 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 bl
out there then. And we call up our friends after work. And we, we, I mean, we text them, I just blah, 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 blah. We talk to everybody and everyone who, who, about the problem except the one who can actually do something about it. And when we do that, friends, the lost world's watching us. And they're saying, I thought they said God's good all the time. It don't look so good now. I thought they said to be a Christian, you, you treat people nice. Well, they ain't treating people very good now. How's that saying coming out of their mouth? You remember James said this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, as a Christian, we should never go around running down authorities in our life. Handle it the way God says. One-on-one -on -one or forgive them or whatever or leave. One of the three. But listen, talking to a per person, talking to anyone who can't solve the problem is nothing but gossip. Yeah, that's a truth you need to know this morning. Even when you're treated unfairly, they're telling us, listen, keep on subjecting yourself to them instead of complaining and whining about it. Listen, when you complain and whine about it to everybody else, it makes you what the Bible calls, it's a nasty word, it's called a tail-bearer. And here's what that does. That ruins your testimony. By the way, it ruins it forever amongst those who saw you do that. You're never going to get that back with them. You can ruin it that quick. Believers and their bosses. How do you handle them when things don't go like you want it to go? The command's to be subject to them. The condition is whether they're good or a jerk. Go on with me next. Not only we see believers and their bosses, but we see believers and the buffeting. Believers and the buffeting. Read verse 20 with me. Well, we'll start at verse 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongly for what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently but if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently this is acceptable with God that's a mouthful isn't it now we don't use terms like buffeting much anymore do we <laughs> we use terms like buffets <laughs> somebody say amen I'm in a Baptist church right <laughs> but here's what buffeting literally means it means it actually literally means to strike with a fist metaphorically it means to be mistreated in any way is what they're saying and he's saying listen uh, listen peter tells us something interesting he says when we're mistreated when we suffer but we endure it and we take it patiently there's something that god actually does listen the only time i found it in the bible there might be more in there but this is the only one i remember seeing this is the only time i remember god saying thank you it's the only time i remember god saying praise you God praises us. God thanks us. Now, most of the Bible, we go around thanking God, right? And we should. But here we see our exaltation. He, he says it is thankworthy. That word literally means he thanks us, he praises us. It's a word we get the word grace from, from a Greek word called charis. And, and listen, it, it means we makes us, it makes us worthy of his thanks, of his praise. Now, isn't that something interesting? I mean, we're supposed to be thanking God. We're supposed to be praising God, but here's the one thing that I found in the Bible he says that makes us worthy to be praised, and that is when we suffer for, and we suffer like a Christian for God's sake. Wow. And we submit ourselves. When I suffer for doing well, he praises us. One thing he actually thanks us for. 
He says, thank you. Why? Same example. The lost world is watching. They're going to really tune in when the trials and the tough time comes. They're going to say, how does he react now? How does she react now? That's when they're really going to tune in. See, all it takes, if all it takes in your life is something not to go your way, to, to get you down the road to fussing and cussing and, and talking about the authorities in your life like a dog. Listen, no wonder people don't want what we claim we have. Because we're about as fake as Monopoly money. You take that over to the bank and see how long that takes them to kick you out of there. But when we say, man, I can suffer like a Christian, and I can certainly praise like a Christian. I can be a Christian when it's good. I can be a Christian when it's bad. And you're going to see the same character out of me in both times. That's when they'll know you're real. That's when. That's why he told us this hard saying. This is a hard saying, isn't it? And listen, that's why he said even when they're froward, <laughs> submit to them. Because it's thankworthy. God will praise us for it. And we suffer for even right doing. But notice in verse 20. Don't get this confused. This is important to get here as you continue down. He said, don't think you're going to get thanked. I'll put it in modern English here. Don't think I'm going to thank you when you suffer because of your mistakes, though. Let's read it together. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you should take it patiently? But if you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. Here's what he's simply saying. He said, don't go around. Don't go around saying, boy, I took that good. When the reason you're having the suffering is because of a bad choice you made. Does that make sense? Because you didn't do well. That's what he's saying here. Because of your faults. For what glory is it if, if you're busted for your faults? You say, I took that patiently. Oh, I did that. I took that like a champ. No, you should take it like a champ because your decision brought it upon yourself. You're not suffering for Jesus' sake, although we always claim that, right? We're suffering because of dumb decisions we've made in life. And you don't get a medal and a pat on the back for that. It's called consequences for sin. And while, thank God, he offers forgiveness, he doesn't remove consequences. When we suffer for doing wrong, here's the Bible, two words for it. It's called reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. Y'all ever heard of that in the Bible? By the way, let me throw this out at you. It's not called karma. Somebody say amen. I'll sit there for the rest of the day. It's not called karma. That should not be part of a Christian's vocabulary. It's part of sowing and reaping. That's the biblical term. And here's what happens. Listen, it's a promise from the Bible that we will reap what we've sown. Job put it this way. He said, even in Job 4.8, even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Proverbs 22, verse 8 said, he that soweth iniquity shall reap 
vanity and the rod of his anger shall fail. Galatians put it this way. Paul wrote, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he goes on to explain, For he that soweth to the flesh uh, uh, shall also of the flesh reap corruption. For he that soweth to the Spirit shall also of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Can I just give you a truth here today? I don't think I got it up there, but our problems are, are very rarely reaping problems. Our problems are sowing problems. See, we're reaping today. What we're reaping today is a result of what we sowed previously. But here's the good news. Listen, we can change that if you don't like what you're reaping today. If you do, if you like what you're reaping today, praise God. Keep doing what you were doing. But if you don't like what you're reaping today, then you know how you change tomorrow's reaping? By changing your sowing today. That's how we get there. Our reaping in the future will be whatever we're sowing now. See, the solution's never about changing the reaping. It's about changing the sowing. So God, listen to me, God's not thanking you if you're enduring suffering because of the consequences of something you've done. No, he said, I thank you when, you when you did well and you still went through suffering. Make sure you got that, that, those two things right. Because it's then that the lost world sees you and says, goodness gracious, they're still praising God. That boss is all over them. That authority is ruined, and they're still praising God. Nothing, man, that is the real deal. I want what they got. Show me next. We'll end with this, our example. See, here's one of the greatest things about our Lord Jesus Christ, who's our greatest example in every situation of life. Man, I'll tell you, that's a hard thing. Wasn't that hard? That's why I had to get through that before we get to Christmas. Amen. <laughs> Next week. That's hard. That's hard to swallow. It's hard to obey. It's hard to do it. I mean, uh, it's just hard. That's, hard. that's a hard truth. <laughs> the Bible says there's some hard truths, and that's one of them hard truths. But I want to submit to you this this morning. Jesus never asked us to do anything he didn't already do himself. In fact, he exhorted us to do that, but then he gave us the example. Read with me this morning. Can we get to verse 21? The Bible says in verse 21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us a, what's that next word? An example that we should follow his steps. Those steps literally mean it has the idea, that word follow has the idea of cut out a mold, a pattern. We should pattern ourselves after him. We should walk where he walked and how he walked and most importantly how he walked. And, and so he said, listen, Christ also suffered for us. He gave us the example. Uh, he was the just that suffered for the unjust. And man, can I promise you this? The Bible still says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall, not might, but shall suffer persecution. So if you're living for Christ, if you're, if you're living a set-apart life, you're, there's some persecution going to come your way. And so when we're treated wrongly, even at the times when we haven't done wrong, he says, just like me, I've set the example. Just go ahead and suffer for it. Go on with me next one. Look at how he did this. He said, who did no sin. Aren't you thankful we got a sinless Savior? Amen. Neither was guile found in his mouth. That word guile is another word we don't use a lot anymore. Here's what it literally means. Deceit. 
That's it, it, the idea of it. Even, listen, even when we're done wrong, we're not to run our mouth and say stuff that isn't true is what it's saying. You remember, it, we, like to, we like to partially skew everything to make us sound better, don't we? Can I remind you, a half truth is a whole lie. Amen. And people have always said, this honesty is the best policy. Can I tell you, for a Christian, honesty is the only policy. He said, no guy was found in his mouth. Jesus didn't, didn't talk back. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get deceitful with what was going on. He just took the suffering. Look at verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. You know what that word means, reviled? <laughs> it has a lot of a different connotations, but it means literally yelled at, fussed at, cussed at vilified, abused, you, you take your choice which one you like. And Can I tell you, that one verse and that, that saying right there probably does more for me to prove Jesus is exactly who he said he was than any other verse in the Bible. You say, why? Because when he was reviled, he reviled not. Can I tell you, that's not how I handle things usually. Right? <laughs> I mean, he was beaten, he was struck, and he struck not back. I'm just going to tell you, you come striking me, you're probably going to get struck back. Unless you hit me real hard the first time I'm out, amen. You say, well, preacher, what about turning the other cheek? Well, I only got two. After that, it's on, brother, amen. <laughs> but not Jesus. Not Jesus. He didn't strike back. But he also didn't speak back either, is what it means. He didn't open his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Didn't open his mouth, didn't defend himself, didn't give those that were treating him completely wrongly a piece of his mind. Shoot, we can't even hold our tongues when we're the one that's wrong. He didn't even when he was the one that was right. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But notice what he did do at the end of the verse. 23, it says, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He said, God the Father's got this. He understood this, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He understood when Paul later was going to write under his inspiration to recompense to no man evil for evil. He said, God's my judge. God's the, God's the one that's going to take care of this. And, and can I just tell you this? And uh, God can take care of that unruly boss. Amen. He can give you a brand new job. <laughs> he can give you a brand new boss. I had a boss when I first started at Intellos. It was called CFW then. Now, I didn't like his dude at all. We'll be honest. Uh, I was I was contemplating finding another job and all that, and and uh, you know what you know what God did for me, I believe. Probably not for me. Probably for the whole crew. Amen. Moved him out. I outlasted him. <laughs> and you know who he replaced him with? Praise God. One of the best best boss I ever had, other than you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful boss. God took care of it. And God will take care of those who do you wrong too. Let him handle the accusers. Let him handle the revilers. You handle what you can control, which is your own actions and your own responses.
Amen. And this world will see that you are the real deal by how you handle yourself when you're treated unfairly. That's what he's teaching us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And Lord, messages like this is why I had a hard time preaching it last week. And Lord, I know they're not swing from chandeliers and they're not exciting and they're not, uh, Lord, uh, uh, messages we leave here just saying, woo, preacher was on fire. But God, they're so needful. If we're ever going to be conformed to your image, if we're ever going to, Lord, in every facet, in every area of our life, live a life that pleases you, live a life, Lord, that testifies to the lost world that's all around us, watching us because of who we claim to be, to demonstrate to them we are exactly what we said we were. Lord, this is so needful. God, help us to submit to all the authorities you've placed in our life. And Lord, there, there's going to be some bad ones from time to time. But Lord, help us just trust in you to take care of those situations when they come. Lord, help us to learn from Jesus' example. Not to revile when we've been reviled. Lord, to keep our mouth shut. Lord, not to respond in like kind. But to consistently show the Spirit of God and the love of Christ that lives in us. Whether we've been treated rightly or wrongly. Whether our boss is good and gentle or whether they're just a real jerk. Lord, help our testimony in every area of our life because they're watching. Father, have your will and way in this invitation, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd stand with Every head bowed and eye closed. Don't even know how to give an invitation in this, but I guess first let me just say this and ask you this question with no one looking around. I wonder how many of you here would just be honest and if you work for me, don't raise your hand, amen. But because <laughs> I'm gonna see you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you say, I really struggle with my boss at work. This is real stuff. That's why God put it in here. I really struggle with my boss. Several hands up. Anybody else? How many just say, I really struggle? Uh, maybe I got a real, some of you putting up real fast and down real quick so nobody looks. I appreciate that. I mean, I got a real doozy of one. <laughs> and if you don't have a real doozy of one right now, you probably have in the past, haven't you? How many would say I have in the past? That's for sure. Huh. Hands all over the room. Here's what God says. He said, you live a consistent life regardless of how they treat you because it's bigger than you it's bigger than me there's folks watching us let's live who we claim with our lips we are let's not ruin our testimony by being a bunch of tailbearers. let's draw them unto christ by our life if you need to pray about that or anything else this altar is going to be open i invite you to come you can, of course, pray there in your seat. but Just make a conscious effort. Lord, I'm going to trust you enough today because your word commanded me to do this, that you'll take care of that problem I got at work. You know all about it. And I'm just going to keep living a Christ-like life and let you handle it. Second part of the invitations is simply this. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, 
you talk about someone who suffered for us. Suffered when he had done no wrong. He did that for one reason. That was for you and me. He willingly laid his life down on that cross. Died for your sin and my sin. He rose from the dead on the third day. And now he says to you, come unto me. Now he says unto you, repent, change your mind, and believe that I died for you, was buried for you, and rose for you, rose again for you. Now he says unto you to call upon his name. If you haven't been saved, you're not sure heaven's your home, listen, during this invitation, you just come on down that aisle. I'll be right down here. I sure love to take his Bible and show you how you can know today that heaven's your home. Trust in the one who's already suffered for you, the just for the unjust. Whatever you need, this altar's open as we sing. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. I tell you, tough bosses are going to come, they're going to go. But your testimony and your character lasts a lifetime. Don't allow a froward boss to keep you from obeying God. Don't let them get so into your skin that you revile back. That you act like anything but what a Christian would act like. Wash me just now. Do like Jesus did. As in thy and just trust in God to handle it all. Remember, He sets them up and He puts them down. Have thine own and what He does, He does it well. Have thine own Give it to Him and get out of the way. Wounded and weary. Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never had a time, a place where you realized you were a sinner, Separated from a holy God. You haven't always been a Christian, no matter what somebody tells you or what you think. You were always been a sinner that needed a Savior. But until that point in time you realize that, turn, put your trust in Jesus, you haven't become a Christian. But the moment you did, the moment that you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the moment that you believed in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, at that moment, my Bible said, Thou shalt be saved. At that moment, you became a Christian. If you haven't had a moment like that, you need to have one before it's eternally too late. Everybody just sing along with me this morning. Fear with thy spirit till all shall see Christ on thee always living in me. Amen. Amen. Hard one today, isn't it? Don't you hate those hard ones? <laughs> you know one of the things when you do is you ver- preach verse by verse like I do? I can't skip them. Amen. And I can't cherry pick them either. So don't ever accuse me. You preached that just for me. No, it was next. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to have, we have a, just a brief 
Uh, where, where'd she go? She's still in here. Harry, there she is. Miss Sandy would like to just testify for a second and tell something there. Go ahead, Miss Sandy. What? Amen. Amen. Good to have you back with us today. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh I'm gonna ask Brother Larry, would you mind closing us in prayer today? I appreciate that, brother. Thank you.